Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Dangerous Assignment, transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to prove that you can sometimes hang a killer sky high with a little piece of string. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, you ever hear of the Italian movie actress named Yolanda? Sure. She's made so many rice field pictures, I understand she's got waterlogged kneecaps. How'd you like to meet her? Oh, just hand me a pair of hip boots and I'm on my way. You'll find her on the French Riviera. Her yacht is anchored at Nice. We're particularly interested in the guests she has aboard. How so, Commissioner? Steve, one of the most vicious pre-war rackets is in operation again. A racket that cost American citizens thousands and thousands of dollars in payoff money for the protection of relatives living in eastern Germany, Hungary, and Romania. Yeah, built up quite a fund for Adolf's rise to power, didn't it? This time, we're certain it's being run as a private enterprise. It started up some six months ago under the direction of the same man who handled it for the Nazi. That would be Herzog, colonel of Gestapo. Right, only someone else seems to have taken over the racket and the colonel's little black book. Herzog died suddenly in Lisbon two months ago. So how does all this tie in with the Italian movie queen? An American named Ernest Hall, vacationing in Nice... Had the bite put on him for $25,000 last week. The payoff? Yes, he was afraid harm would come to some of his family still living in eastern Germany. Now, Hall is certain the head of this racket is aboard that yacht. Get over there, Steve. Check with him. Find out who's behind all this and smash it. Oh, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Thursday evening is an entertainment-filled listening night on NBC Radio. Set your dial to this station for such fun-packed programs as Truth or Consequences, with Ralph Edwards playing host on America's favorite party game. There's fun surprises and always the unexpected when you listen to Truth or Consequences each Thursday. And for Western songs and adventure, hit the trail to Paradise Valley and the Double R Bar Ranch, for there you'll find the Roy Rogers Show and 30 minutes of top-flight entertainment. Robert Young is another Thursday night visitor when he stars in Father Knows Best. We know you'll all enjoy these wonderful programs, so be sure to set your dial right here to this NBC station for top-flight radio entertainment each Thursday night. 
I've got my assignment. Get over to the French Riviera, check with an American who's had to pay off protection money for members of his family living in Germany. Find out who's running the racket and break it up. It's late Thursday afternoon when my plane lands. The American, Ernest Hall, is waiting for me in his hotel room. I, I was afraid for my relatives, Mr. Mitchell. That's why I didn't call the authorities until now. I, I wanted nothing to go wrong. I decided it would be best to investigate quietly after the payment had been made. All right, Hall, let's start from the beginning. When did you get the pitch? A Sunday evening. A letter had been slipped under my door. The note contained a demand for payment of $25,000, a threat against the lives of an Aunt Anelia Halderstadt and two cousins, Jan and Joseph. Halderstadt? Would that by any chance... Yes, my father's name. I changed it to Hall when I arrived in America many years ago. I see. How long have you been vacationing here in Nice? Uh, a month. Run into any old acquaintances, someone who knows your real name is Halderstadt? Yes, as a matter of fact, a week ago, aboard the yacht. Eric Vogel is an old, old friend. We came from the same village, and naturally, we talked to people we'd known, our, our families and so on. And when you got that note Sunday evening... Oh, no, no, I couldn't bring myself to suspect that Eric was behind all this. There were others at the party aboard the yacht. Mm, any one of them could have overheard your conversation, learned that your real name was Halderstadt... Uh-huh. Okay, who were the others? Well, the actress Yolanda, of course, was there. It's her yacht. Then also a French newspaper man named uh, Albert Beauvais, an Englishman named Chipping, and Lal Hubli, a Hindu. That all? Mm, but two others. Felix De Luca, he is uh, Yolanda's director, and George, something or other, I, I didn't get his last name. Okay, now about the payoff. Well, last night a box containing the money was placed under a bridge on the road to Antibes. You see anyone? No, I didn't go. Albert Beauvais did. The newspaper man? Yes. You see, he was with me Sunday evening when the letter came. So, naturally, we talked about it. The note instructed me to remain in my hotel room here and send someone with the money. Beauvais volunteered. I see. Look, I'd like to meet these people. Beauvais, Chipping, George, what's his name? I can arrange it. I am expected aboard the yacht in an hour. The cocktails. They'll all be there. Fine. Now, uh, I should warn you, Mr. Mitchell... These friends of Yolanda, they're of artistic temperament. Their actions are somewhat droll, strange. You you might call them eccentric. Or just plain screwball, huh? <laughs> All right, let's go. Well, I've met some characters in my time, but nothing like the wacky group assembled aboard Yolanda's yacht. The queen herself is attired in a leopard-skin bathing suit, dark glasses, a floppy sombrero with a fur four-foot brim. She's tossing grapes across the room to a gent who's standing on his head in the corner with his mouth open. The Hindu, draped in his sheet, is sitting cross-legged on the bar, and he's cracking walnuts with his teeth. Paul introduces me to Yolanda, and a split second later, the door bursts open. Two gents race into the room. Each of them is armed with a saber. Uh, uh, that was chipping. And the one called Joe. I didn't even get to say hello. They will be back. Come on, Joe. You sit down here next to Yolanda. Sit down, Joe. Uh, the name is Steve. I don't like it, but I like you. And everybody I like, I call Joe. Come on, Joe. Sit down. Relax. Light me a cigarette. Sure. A martini, Steve? Yeah, but easy on the olives. I may have to drive tonight. You didn't meet everybody, Joe. Over there is Lal. Lal? Uh huh. And that one is DeLuca. Hi, DeLuca. Get over your head. Say hello to Joe, huh? Hello. Viva Graziano. Viva Rocky. <laughs> Here's your cigarette, Yolanda. Oh, thank you. You know, I like you. You've got a class. I owe it all to the Continental. Oh, television, huh? 
So you're from uh, USA, huh? That's Joe? right, Yolanda. Ever been there? Some of the years, I'm going to make a picture there. The look, he's writing it now. A beautiful story, Joe. It is just beautiful. Hey, if you like it, Joe... Hey, it's about a young I'm girl. I'm telling you, Deluca. Now, this young girl, Joe, she picks oranges. Grapes. Oranges? Grapes. I ought to know. I'm a ragging. I'm a pick of grapes. Always I'm jumping on grapes into my bare feet. You can't jump on oranges. Shupita, who wants to jump on oranges? Oh, oh, hey, Johnny. I'll have a go at it, my dear. Now, you keep out of this, Mr. Chief. Oh, back oh. to the world, George, old chap. Come on. On guard. On guard. Oh, oh. Very good. Oh, I see. You're a new chap here, aren't you? Yeah, the name's Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. Oh, I'm Chipping. I have no jokes, please. And this is Georgie. I, I can't remember his last name. Hello, Steve. Just call me George. What is this business about Aragnes? I was trying to tell Joe the story of my next picture. Oh. It's about a girl who kicks oranges. Yeah, poor but honest, hardworking, and all that sort of stuff, eh? A proud, stout heart beating beneath her tattered sweatshirt falls in love with a gentleman farmer named Rodney. He's a cad, of course. Who told you? Oh, I say, really, that's a bit of old hat, you know. What's the old hat got to do with it? You don't know this story at all, no? I'd love to hear about it by all means, my dear. I place myself at your feet. Okay, while you're down there, you untie my sandals. Huh? My feet are killing me. It's jumping on those lousy grapes. <laughs> Yolanda launches into a dramatic account of the plot, a tender, heartwarming story of love, greed, and hate among the smudge pots. Suddenly, the salon door swings open. A short, heavy-set gent stands there with a mask over his face, a forty-five in one hand, a small satchel in the other. Hi. What are you doing? What's the... Shut up, sister. This is a heist. A heist? What is this talk? A stick-up, Yolanda. A hold-up. There's the bag, gents. Let's have your wallets, watches, rings, anything that'll bring a buck. Dump in there. Now, just a minute, sports. Let's get with it. I ain't got all night. You first, Mac. Sure. Only call me George, huh? That's me, sport. George! Oh! Okay, George, oh. get up. And don't try that again, see? Oh, don't try it. Next one of you gents who gets funny winds up with a slug in him. Now, come on. Shell out. picks up the bag, backs out of the room, and then he's gone. I take three quick steps to the door, stick my head outside. The slug chips a hunk of mahogany just over my head. Then I hear footsteps going down the gangplank. I take off on the double. Ernie Hall is right behind me. Do you see him, Mitchell? I think he ducked around the warehouse. Come on, we'll cut through here. Hold it. Uh, what is it? Someone coming up alongside the building, and he's in a hurry. Good work, Mitchell. On your feet, Buster. Let's have a look at you. Got a light hall? Uh, yes. Yes, here we are. Uh, Mitchell. What's the matter? You recognize this gent? It's Albert Beauvais, the newspaper man. Oh. Beauvais, you all right? Oh. Oh, Monsieur Hall, it's you, huh? Where is he? he? He must not get away. Now, let, let me go. Take it easy. Who are you talking about? The man who robbed those aboard the yacht. I hired him. You hired him? What does all this mean, Beauvais? It was a plan that the money you gave me to place under the bridge last night, Monsieur Hall, I had marked it, don't you see? So you staged this holdup and hoped you'd trace the marked money? Oui, 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 alors. He was trying to bring the wallets to me. Of all the screwball. Look, Beauvais, where does he hang out? Oh, a small hotel, not far from here. Come on, we better get over there fast. We 
hustle over to a broken-down hotel on the waterfront, Bouvet and Hall hurry into the lobby, and while Bouvet conducts an arm-waving conversation with the man behind the desk, I duck down the alley and back of the hotel. I don't have long to wait. Our hold-up friend scoots out the back door, and I grab... Sure, he's a small gent, but his left has the stock of a pile driver. I'm setting him up for a right cross when my foot slips on the wet cobblestone, and as I go down, he clubs me on the side of the head with the satchel. I'm sitting on the curb, rubbing my ear when Hall and Beauvais come pounding up. Uh, Mitchell! Are you all right? Yeah, but our friend got away. He left this, though. Aha, the satchel. Here, let me a bit. As you will see, my plan was not such a bad one after all. Ah, ah look, yet money. Yes, yes, here is a bill I marked. And another, and another. So? Oh, sacre bleu. He... Yeah, your plan called for us to find that marked money in somebody's wallet. And we'd have our culprit. The money is here, all right, but where are the wallets? He must have thrown them away. Now we are right back where we started from. Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Have you started your Christmas wishing yet? Well, this is the season for it, the season when we wish we could do the most for our families, our friends, and our loved ones. All of us express that wish when we say those joyous words, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. But as the old song says, wishing won't make it so. How much better it would be if you could really do something to make that wish come true. Well, the point is, you can do something. You can buy Christmas seals. Yes, Christmas seal money helps pay for chest X-ray campaigns, which search out those who have TB and don't know it, so they can be treated to save their lives and to protect yours. The Christmas seals you buy today may help to find, through chest x-rays, some of the 150,000 persons in our country who have TB without knowing it. Finding their TB early, when it's easiest to cure, may mean many happy New Year's to come for them. Wishing won't help, but buying Christmas seals will. Buy Christmas seals and you turn wishes into good health. Now, back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Like your cute little plan backfired, Beauvais. Your hired stick-up man dumped all the money out of the wallets. Now, we don't know whose wallet the marked money came out of. Let's see, about 500 bucks of the money in the satchel is marked. Well, the rest of it must be hidden aboard the yacht somewhere. Could be. Okay, suppose you start on Operation Ashcan, Beauvais. Paul and I will see what we can pick up back at the yacht. Operation Ashcan? What is this? Check all the ash cans between the dock and the hotel where your stick-up boy was hiding out. See if you can find those wallets. Could be some of that marked money stuck to one of them. head back to the yacht. Yolanda, Chipping, and George are in the lounge. I put the satchel on the table and tell them we tracked down the stick-up man that he got away, but we recovered the money. How much money was there? Uh, about $2,000, George. Most of it was in the satchel, but there was 500 in his coat pocket. Just what I lost, Sport. Thank you very much. Oh, you're sure about the amount, eh? Sure, I'm sure. Well, there it is. Help yourselves. Yolanda, how much did you lose? You remember? A couple of hundred, Joe. Chipping? 
Well, it's a bit hard to say. I've stumbled across some rare finds in Nice, and I'm not sure how much they've cost me. Rare finds? He's a book collector, Joe Dull. Oh, then you don't know how much you had in your wallet. Well, not more than 300, I should say. You see, I don't carry a great deal of cash on these trips. Letters of credit and that sort of thing, no? Oh, I should have so much credit. He's a dirty rich, Joe. You know, a filthy rich, darling. Dirty, filthy. He'll never be cleaned, huh? Oh, fine. Where's De Luca? Oh, he's attending. He was no feeling so hot. Oh? No, nothing like losing some money to make De Luca no feel so hot. Well, slip a few of these bills in his oxygen tent. It may snap him out of it. You got a good sense of humor, Joe. Oh, I'm a riot, Josephine. I got a good idea why you don't come with us, huh? Will you? Sure, on the cruise. We're shoving off in about an hour. Oh, where are you heading? Oh, I thought we'd stop at uh, Corsica and then Naples. Then what? Then we split up. I gotta go back to work. Okay. Thanks for the invitation, Yolanda. You've got yourself another passenger. We shove off, and along about dark, everybody gathers in the lounge for cocktails. Everybody but me. I figure this is my chance to start searching the staterooms, and George, what's his name, is currently at the top of my suspect list because of the way he tried to stop the holdup, and later, a prompt claim he put in for the 500 bucks. So I give his cabin a frisk, but I can't find anything. I step out in the passageway and turn to close the door behind me. Suddenly, something hard connects back of my ear. It knocks me to my knees. I can hear somebody taking off down the passageway. I stagger to my feet and brush the cobwebs out of my brain, then pound along the passageway around the corner. Oh, 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 oh. oh well, Mitchell, I, I came below to warn you. Warn me? Yes, I, I saw DeLuca leave the lounge a few minutes ago. I thought he might have come down here. I see. Uh, what happened? I got hit on the head. Must have been DeLuca. Maybe. He took off in a hurry. Did you find anything in George's stateroom? No. I'll try Beauvais next. Uh, wait a minute. Sounds like they're all coming below to change for dinner. Great. Okay, looks like I'll have to wait for another chance. But I don't get another chance that night. After dinner, Yolanda wants to play charades, so we all have to choose up sides. Lal Hubli, the Hindu, sits in one corner cracking walnuts and keeping score... When the game finally breaks up, everybody turns in, so I'm out of luck. The next morning when I come out on deck, Corsica is in sight. Yolanda and DeLuca are standing at the rail. This is my homeland, Corsica. All night I dream about it. A great island, Mitchell. Home of great people. You and Napoleon, huh? Please. Put Napoleon first. Napoleon and me. (laughs) (laughs) Poor DeLuca. He thought he was going to be one more Napoleon during the war. Oh, it was nothing. Oh, he's a sore eyes, Joe. Instead of the battlefield, he got a desk job. It was a liaison officer in Berlin. The word Berlin hits me like a hammer. That little black book which started this whole deal used to be in the custody of a Nazi named Herzog in Berlin. DeLuca could have hooked up with him there. At this point, he seems to be edging George out of the top spot on my list. An hour later, we dock, and the happy little group streams off the yacht for a gay day ashore. But the trouble is, they insist that I stream along with them. In the middle of the afternoon, we split up. I get back to the yacht first with Yolanda and George. I'm just starting up along the deck when I spot Chipping coming up the gangplank with a couple of books under his arm and waving his cane frantically at me. Mitchell, I say, Mitchell, a fine, a fine, a positive fine. A what? I was browsing in a bookshop, and I just happened to stumble across these. Can you imagine? What are they? Ancient textbooks of the gladiator school. That's where fencing really started, you know. 
Look, look here, old man. You see these illustrations? See? There. It, it, it's been the prevalent theory that the glide or sliding thrust is a comparatively recent maneuver, but you see, it's the same thing. Look, I'll show you with my cane. You go like this, you see? Hey! I, oh, I'm so sorry. Look, take that cane and... I'm terribly sorry, old boy. I, I thrust when I should have glided. Well, as long as I know that makes everything all right. Now, try your thrust on somebody else, will you? Yes, yes, I will. I'm a fine George. Yeah, you do that. Oh, brother. Oh, DeLuca, I didn't see you standing there. I come to look for you. Yolanda says, tell everybody cocktails. Okay, tell her I'll be along in a couple of minutes. I stay up on deck until I see all of them come up to the lounge. Then I head below. DeLuca's stateroom is first on my list. I go over it carefully, but there's no sign of the money. I move to Chipping's room next to it and search it. Nothing. I know I've got to work fast before they miss me. Yolanda's room is next. I give it a thorough frisk, but I'm getting nowhere. Then I spot something in her wastebasket, a piece of green string. Suddenly I remember Chipping's books had been tied with green string. I remember something else, too. There was no sign of those books in Chipping's stateroom. I look around Yolanda's room. There's a bookcase built into one wall. I go over to it. The lower shelves are crammed with novels, but then on the top shelf, I spot what I'm looking for, Chipping's rare books on fencing. I climb up on a chair, pull one of them out. Yeah, the pages have been cut away, and the book is full of money. Nice work, Mitchell. What? Well, hello, Chipping. Yes, I was afraid I might find you here. Please stay right where you are for the moment. So, you're the boy who's been running the racket, huh? I told you I was a book collector. Herzog's little black book has a prominent place in my collection. It's amazing how the people whose names are listed in it will pay to keep anything from happening to friends in Eastern Europe. Like Hall, for instance? This money is what you got from him, isn't it? Yes. I suspected you were searching everyone's room, so I thought the books would be a good hiding place. At the last place you'd look would be in Yolanda's room. If I hadn't spotted the string, I probably wouldn't have thought of it. Oh, no use crying over spilled string. <laughs> no harm done since you're the only one who knows. Will you hand me those books? Okay, here. Have some more. Sorry. Oh, I'll take that gun. Hard to shoot with a face full of books, isn't it, Chipping? Uh, those books. Uh, Mitchell. Yeah, kind of a dirty trick sweeping a shelf full down on you. But after all, you made such a point to being a book collector, I thought I'd just add a few more to your collection the hard way. star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Fresh new comedy material to keep you laughing all evening long is what you'll hear every Tuesday night on this NBC station. Yes, Tuesday brings such stellar programs as Fibber McGee and Molly, The Red Skelton Show, The Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show, and Two for the Money. You'll enjoy them all on NBC. Fibber and Molly have been entertaining you from 79 Wistful Vista for more than 15 years, and they still bring you chuckling good comedy each Tuesday night. That clown of clowns, Red Skelton, brings you a three-ring circus of laughs with Junior, the mean little kid, Cauliflower McPug, and Willie Lumplump. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis are the madcap comedians in our Tuesday night lineup, and you never know what to expect next when they team to bring you a half hour of top comedy listening. Then, of course, Herb Schreiner is the power behind Two for the Money, and his power is to make you feel at home with his down-to-earth humor. So keep your date with our terrific Tuesday night lineup, and set your dial to NBC next Tuesday and every Tuesday for Tops in Comedy Entertainment. 
Next week, Austria. A border incident with me in the middle. That will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Included in tonight's cast were Howard McNair, Betty Lou Gerson, Nestor Parva, Ben Wright, and Paul Dubov. This is John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe, and is directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at the same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. Tomorrow, hear both Judy Canova and Truth or Consequences on NBC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dangerous Assignment. Transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to show me that sometimes the best thing that can happen to a guy is to get caught in the middle of a riot. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, it looks like we're caught in the middle of another first-class frame-up. Oh, great. What and where is it this time? Last night, a band of Austrians slipped across the border into Hungary at a point some 30 miles southeast of Vienna. The attack guards are the strategic mind under lease to the Hungarian government. Go on, Commissioner. The attacking party went on a rampage of looting and burning. Six Hungarian guards were killed. Hmm, how do we fit in the picture? The attacking force, reported to have been 20 in number, left three of its members at the scene dead. So? The so-called dead Austrians have been identified as American soldiers. What? That's right. GIs attached to our forces in Vienna. Situation is tense, growing worse every minute. We're cooperating with the army in this matter, so when you get to Vienna, check with intelligence. All right. Obviously, we had nothing to do with this raid, Steve, but we've got to prove that and do it quickly. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment. 
starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another dangerous assignment. As Christmas draws near, the airwaves fill with beautiful holiday music. And on this station of the NBC radio network, you'll hear some of the greatest music ever composed, played and sung for you by our nation's finest musicians. Our Monday Night of Music will continue to bring you the most enjoyable musical memories on such stellar programs as the Telephone Hour, the Voice of Firestone, and the Railroad Hour. Beginning this week and continuing until Christmas, NBC will present a series of Yuletide programs by choirs from all parts of the country. Saturday afternoons, the NBC Symphony Orchestra will bring you more great music. So, when you think of musical entertainment, think of NBC and set your dial to this station. Sure, I've got my assignment. Get over to Vienna, find out who rigged up the plot to implicate us in a border raid on a Hungarian mine, a free-for-all resulting in the deaths of half a dozen Hungarians and three American soldiers. It's early Wednesday evening when my plane sets down. Twenty minutes later, I'm in conference with Major Layton, United States Intelligence. Here are the service records of the three GIs, Steve. We're convinced they were kidnapped, murdered, then left at the scene of the skirmish. When were they first reported missing? They weren't. You see, they were out on a three-day pass due to report back to their company tomorrow. Excuse me. Yes? Good, good. Send them in, Corporal. Well, that's a relief. And it may be the break we've been waiting for, Steve. Oh? Sergeant Monaghan's turned up and alive. He went out on pass with the others yesterday. Sergeant Monaghan reporting, sir. At ease, Sergeant. This is Mr. Mitchell. Mr. Mitchell? Sergeant, you heard what happened. Uh, yes, sir. You've known Polson, Keller, and Whitlow a long time, haven't you? Since uh, Palermo. The four of you went out on pass yesterday, right? Yes, sir. Where? A place called Frankel's, regular hangout. I know the place, Steve. Then what, Sergeant? Well, I had a brew and left. At the last you saw of the others? Yes, sir. What plans did they have for the rest of the evening, do you know? Yeah, they were figuring on going over to a nightclub called the Blue Flame. They wanted me to come along, but I had a date. The Blue Flame, huh? Any special attraction? Yeah, I got a band to play some pretty good bop stuff and, uh... And what, well, Sergeant? Well, Pose knew a girl there. She's a singer. Polish, I think. Her name's Anna. Thought she was pretty great. Didn't you? She was, uh, playing him for a sucker, if you ask me. Her last name wouldn't be Cranko, would it, Sergeant? Something like that, sir. Couldn't be sure. Mean anything to you, Major? Yeah, if it's the same girl. Bad customer, Steve. Clip out is first class. Been mixed up in black market deals, too. I see. I think we better have a little chat with this Anna. A quarter of an hour later, the Major parks his car in a dimly lighted side street. I leave him sitting behind the wheel and walk into the Blue Flame nightclub alone. The joint is really jumping, and the cash customers are living it up but crazy. I spot her standing over by the bar, and I push my way through the crowd toward her. I open my wallet, take out the largest bill, and slide it across the bar. Oh, careful, my drink. Oh, I'm sorry, miss. I'm very sorry. It's quite all right. No harm done. Come here, me. Here, let me buy you another. Yes, why not? Cognac, please. Uh my money here seems to have become a little soggy. I'm certain the manager will not mind. Uh, bartender, two cognacs, please. You are an American, are you not? Yes, in town on business. 
little pleasure, too. Never thought I'd run into a place like this, Bebop in Vienna. <laughs> you are fond of this, Bebop? Well, back home, they don't call me crazy for nothing. Oh, uh, my name's Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. I am Anna. I work here. Do you? Well, what do you know? Say, maybe you can help me. I'm looking for a buddy of mine served in the Army together during the war. Understand he drops in here quite often. A soldier? Yeah, his name's Polson, Dick Polson. Maybe you know him. Polson? No, I, I do not believe I know him. Now you must excuse me, please. I have to prepare for my next number. How about your drink? Oh, I will be back. You will wait, please. I'll wait, Anna. She disappears through a curtain doorway at the far end of the room. A few minutes later, she's back wearing a different evening gown. The lights go down, the band goes into its intro, and Anna begins to purr into the microphone. I slip through the doorway and down a long hall to her dressing room. I spend the next few minutes giving the place a fast frisk and come up with nothing except a snapshot of Anna and another girl, which I slip into my pocket for future reference. Then I hear someone coming down the hall. I duck into a small closet. You are, my dear. You'll find the money in this envelope. Count it if you wish. It will not be necessary. Thank you, darling. Thank you, Anna. You'll be most helpful. Everything went according to plan, really? Perfectly. There are still a few matters to be attended to, however. You are going back tonight? To Bernaghi? Yes. A demonstration is planned. I must see to certain important details. However, I have a few moments to spare. May I buy you a drink, Anna? Oh, thank you. I have a drink waiting for me at the bar, Ruby. Oh. And an American. Oh. I think you will be interested in him. He came in looking for Sergeant Paulson. Paulson? Said he was an old friend. I see. Well, perhaps he's an old friend, Anna. Then again, he might not be. I think I'd best point this American out to me, Anna. Come along. wait till I hear their footsteps fade down the hallway. Then I slip outside. There's a door at the far end of the corridor that's open. I ease out into the alley, circle around to the front of the cafe and watch from the shadows. I don't have long to wait. The gent called Rudy comes out, steps into a long black limousine, gives his chauffeur the nod, the car roars away. I go down the block to where the major is waiting. What's up, Steve? I just had a peek at a payoff. And a Krenko? Yeah, for services rendered. It's got something to do with Sergeant Polson, that's for sure. I heard Rudy tell Anna he was going to a place called Bern... Bernagi? Bernagi? Well, that's a town just over the border in Hungary. It's only a few miles from the mine. He said something about a big demonstration. Sure, sure, it figures. The big build-up, beating of the drums, torchlight parade, the works. All very anti-United States, of course. Look, Major, I'd like to take in that little soiree across the border. Can you arrange it? Sure, I can put you in contact with someone. Meanwhile, what about Anna? Keep an eye on her so we can close in fast. We know she's the contact on this end of the line. I've got to nail the big boy at the other end. almost 10 o'clock when I wheel the major's car into a small hillside village overlooking the Austro-Hungarian border. A few minutes later, I pull up at a small shop and start massaging the front door with my knuckles. Please, my shop is closed. It is late. My name is Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. So? You're Gustav? 
So? Major Layton, get in touch with you. So? Come in, quickly. Herr Mitchell, this which you propose to do is suicide. The border is heavily patrolled since the affair at the mine. When can I start? The Major warned me it would be impossible to convince you. All right, we must leave at once. It will be best if we are not seen together in the village. Okay, where do we meet? You will walk down the street two blocks, turn left, and when you reach the railroad tracks, turn right, and follow the river until you reach a barn. Hmm? We will meet there. Ten minutes later, I pull up in the shadows of the barn, look out over the river... There on the other side is Hungary, and just over the hill on my left is a red glow in the sky. That would be the town where the big demonstration is being staged. I glance at my watch, then I hear a twig snap behind me. I start to turn around, but I'm not fast enough. Something hard catches me on the side of the head. I pitch forward and fall face down into the weeds. Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Do you remember that old saying, a stitch in time saves nine? Well, unlike a lot of old proverbs, this one really works, whether you apply it to a chair with loose rungs or your health. Suppose you learn that a few dollars spent now could be that stitch in time that might save your health or the health of your family in the year to come. Sound like a good proposition? Well, here's how it's done. Just buy Christmas seals this Christmas. Yes, the money we spend for Christmas seals now goes for case finding, health education, medical research, and rehabilitation to help fight tuberculosis during the next year. Christmas seal money spent now helps protect us all from the number one killer among infectious diseases, TB. It's the stitch in time that saves human lives and health, prevents economic chaos and broken homes, which often follow in the wake of TB. Don't say it couldn't happen to you, it can but you take out a little insurance against it. Save lives and prevent misery, your own and your neighbor's, when you buy Christmas seals. Now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. What am I doing in the river? We are almost across. Yeah. Yeah. I can touch bottom. I arrived in time to see two men shove you into the river. I waited until they had gone. Then I came in after you. I helped you across. Thanks. One of them was wearing a chauffeur's uniform. Yeah, Rudy and his driver, probably. Well, where do we go from here, Gustav? Bernagi is but a few kilometers from here. Come. We climb this bank, cross the road which runs along the top, down the other side of the incline. Then we still stick to the fields and wooded places as we... Hold go... it. There? What? Look up on the road over to your left. Oh, a patrol? Yeah. Come on, we've got to get across that road. Oh! 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 Oh!
Okay, we work our way through the weeds and underbrush to a nearby forest and shake the patrol off our trail. Twenty minutes later, we're on the outskirts of Bernagi. Gustav takes me to an underground station and we get dry clothes. Then we head for the square in the center of town. The demonstration is going full tilt. Gustav and I blend in with the milling crowd. There's a speaker's platform in the center and on it six people, the wives of the dead mine guards. My eyes run along the row and then suddenly I do a take. What is it? That woman on the end. Ah, attractive. Yeah, she takes good pictures too. Look, this photo. Anna and that girl. Where did you get this? In Anna's dressing room. She and this babe must be pals. We've got ourselves another lead, Gustav. Uh, look, she's leaving the platform. Yeah, quite an act she's putting on, the grief-stricken widow. Hey, the guy who's leading her away. Yes, he's wearing a chauffeur's uniform. Yeah, Rudy's driver. through the crowd after them. The driver takes the girl over to Rudy's car, parked at one corner of the square. Rudy's inside. We managed to ease close enough to hear him give an address to the driver. It's not far, so we leg it over there. The widow seems to have made a fast recovery from her sorrow. She and Rudy are drinking champagne. After a couple of minutes, he leaves, and the chauffeur drives him away. I pull open the French windows, and we go in. Who are you? Never mind. Right now, I want you to start talking about your friends Rudy and Anna. I don't know what you're talking about. Save it. You're up to your ears in a very nasty frame-up, and you'd better start spilling fast. Don't move, any of you. Who are you? I will ask the questions. Your identification. Quickly. There you are, Buster. A United States agent. What? What were you expecting? Oh, please, I am sorry, Mr. Mitchell. Hey, what is this? At... I am Jan Tresena, brother of the dead man who was supposed to be married to this woman. Oh, he wasn't really, huh? No. And he also was not a guard at the mine. He was actually a prisoner from a Czech concentration camp. Keep talking. This is getting more interesting by the moment. And he was brought here to Banagi to work in the mine with some other prisoners. I followed, hoping to help them escape. I had a plan worked out, but the night before last, six of them were taken secretly from the mine. Sure. They were the six guys who were killed and later passed off as Hungarian guards. It's the oldest trick in the world. Hitler used it to create one of the incidents that touched off the last war. Right. It's beginning to add up fast. The dead Czech prisoners were passed off as Hungarian guards and the dead American soldiers as Austrian raiders. Nice little deal you're wrapped up in, sister. Please. I only did what I was told to. I did not know what was happening. You were hired to pose as a dead guard's wife. Yes. Who hired you? Rudy. He also hired my sister Anna to take one of the American soldiers to her place. But neither of us knew they would be killed. Please, you must believe me. Who is this Rudy? He operates the mine on a lease from the government. And he's the gent behind the deal, huh? Yes. Please get me across the border and I will be a witness. I think we can arrange that. Take her to the underground station and wait for me, Gustav. All right. Come. Jen? We'd be sitting pretty if we had any proof of all this, but without it, we've got nothing. I know. It beats me how those prisoners can be erased like that with no questions asked. Well, who is to ask the questions? The prisoners are very expendable. Their records are sent back to the camp from which they came, simply marked deceased. That is the end of it. No questions asked. No one asks questions because everyone is afraid. Wait a minute. Their records? Records? Sure. If we could get our hands on them, we could bust this thing wide open. Those records must have fingerprints, photos, and the works. 
That would be proof that these dead guys weren't as advertised. Wait. You think the records could still be in the mine office? It's possible. Could be they'd hold them for a while until this thing blows over before they send them back. You said you had a plan worked out to get your brother out of the mine compound. Could we use it to get in? Uh, yes. Yes, I believe we could. You see, the shift changes at midnight. At that moment, two grenades were to demolish the south fence. The prisoners were to make a break for it. Yeah. During the confusion, we could probably sneak in, all right. There's just one hitch, so where do we get the grenades? <laughs> Will these do, Mr. Mitchell? <laughs> Nothing like being prepared, Jan. Yeah, they'll do fine. We climb the hills outside of town until we get to a spot overlooking the mine. There's a barbed wire fence, searchlights, guards, the works. In the center of the compound is a small office building. At midnight, the shift changes. Now, Mitchell. Jan uncorks both grenades and lobs them down beside the fence. It worked. A hole in the fence. Come on. The prisoners are milling around, fighting with the guards. We slip through the hole in the fence unnoticed and head for the office. Then a reception committee steps out from behind the door. Hold it, both of you. Well, my old friend Rudy, judging from those records in your hand, you must have had the same idea we did. When I realized you were still alive, it occurred to me you might try to get the records of the six prisoners. I thought I had better remove them. You had six prisoners and three U.S. soldiers killed in cold blood to stage this little incident of yours. Oh, it did not start out as an incident. You see, my records here at the mine would not stand inspection. You mean you had your payroll padded? <laughs> Quite a bit, I'm afraid. I think I get it. You stage a raid which results in killing a few guards, and that clears up the padded payroll. And then it occurred to me I had created something of greater value than I imagined. Sure, you manufacture an incident and sell it to your government. Got all the angles figured, huh, Rudy? Yes, including what I will do with you two. Oh? You are trespassers. Need I say more? No, I get the message. The window, get out! Yeah. Get back, Mitchell! Let's throw the gun, let go! Thanks, Rudy. You took your eyes off me just long enough. And thanks for these records. They're enough to blow this frame sky high. You've heard my guards outside. It's mopping up. You'll never leave this place alive. You're on, Rudy. Look out the window. Well, well, looks like the prisoners have the upper hand. They've overpowered the guards. What? I... Before any reinforcements arrive, Mitchell will have ample opportunity to get back to Gustav and across the border. Those prisoners out there, they're not trying to escape. They're just standing there, staring at the window. Could be they'd like to have a little talk with you about the six you killed, Rudy. No. No, Mitchell, you, you, you must protect me. Me? You kidding? I'm just a trespasser, remember? Well, then, then take me with you now, now. Okay. I'm going to the underground headquarters. Oh. I'm sure they'd be happy to see you. Underground? Yeah. Looks like you lose either way, Rudy. You tried to play both sides against each other, and you wound up right smack in the middle. Come on, Jan. Let's get out of here. Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Thursday evening on NBC always brings you enjoyable radio entertainment by some of America's favorite performers. 
Robert Young stars as Jim Anderson in the family comedy entitled Father Knows Best. Roy Rogers and Dale Evans team up to present Western songs and adventure on The Roy Rogers Show. Eddie Cantor takes the top off his memory box and presents his show business show with stories and music to relive the many wonderful years he has spent entertaining young and old from coast to coast. And then Judy Canova sends radio listening your way from Cactus Junction for 30 fun-filled minutes. And Ralph Edwards plays host to contestants from the studio audience on Truth or Consequences. So for the very best listening each and every Thursday night, be sure to set your radio dial to this NBC station where you'll hear these pleasurable programs. Remember, Thursday brings the Roy Rogers Show, Father Knows Best, Truth or Consequences, Eddie Cantor's Show Business Show, and the Judy Canova Show over most NBC stations. Next week, turkey, a booby trap, and I'm the booby. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Included in tonight's cast were Paul Duboff, Bob O'Connor, Vivi Janis, Paul Fries, and Jeannie Tatum. This is John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe, and is directed by Bill Karn. Be with us again next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. <laughs> Always listen for the familiar three NBC chimes. They're your invitation to fine radio entertainment. Tomorrow, hear both Father Knows Best and Truth or Consequences on NBC. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.